0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Okay, Ben, they're pronounced cicadas, not cicadas. What did I... Oh, my God. Call them cicadas. At the
2: window. Oh. They're out there, though, whatever they are. Here's my uh, cicada. Is it cicada
1: or cicada? Now I don't know. It's cicada, uh, I believe. I thought
2: it was cicada. Is it? Uh, it's I, cicada. Okay, it's that's cicada. what
1: I thought. I thought you it is cicada. I love, A,
2: when a guest uh, comes early, and B, when she just chimes in, particularly when she's right. Cicada. Okay, here's my cicada imitation. Uh, we are in for a show today that sounds like the creaky door in Candyman, a movie i'm about to see on saturday our guest
0: are you i was so scarred by the original that i genuinely don't think i can go see this reboot in the theater i think i have to wait until i can watch it at home
2: All right. I love that my guest is talking early, and I'm not (laughs) going to reveal who this guest is. I love it. The suspense builds. Who could the guest be? It's somebody knowledgeable about Candyman. And by the way, I share your fear of the first Candyman. Uh, I talk a big game about how I watched it. But mystery guest, what I did was I had my hands over my eyes like this. And then I had that, this, yeah. like this with my fingers yeah. in my ear going. Mm.
0: That was the last time that I, I was 12 years old and I watched it with my, my older sister's boyfriend and then they went out for the night. So I, it was the last time that I ever went into my mom's room and was like, I'm scared. I have to sleep with you in my life.
2: Wow. 12 years that
0: movie.
2: old. God, am I old? <laughs> I was a lot older than 12 when I saw Candyman. Well, you have a reason mystery gas for being scared. You were 12. I, on the other hand, was, I don't know. I
1: was old. Anyway, D. All right. Back You're, to you, young man. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, September, what is it? September 9th is just moments away with a mystery guest. I mean, you see the name when you click on YouTube or the download, but it is a mystery guest. And that's uh, brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, the Chicago Teachers Union, and... Chicago Reader. Chicago Reader, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Chicago Reader, Reader chicagoreader.com. Check out the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky, and if you want to help out this program and this very old podcast host. Well, you can. <laughs> chicagoreader.com forward slash Jorofsky. J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Chicagoreader.com forward slash Jorofsky. Go check that out and you can become a bin head. Find out more information at chicagoreader.com. It is Thursday, September 9th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarovsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome Ann Emerson, and if anyone has kids listening, you may want to cover their ears when this guest comes on. Adolfo Mondragon returns. He curses a lot. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling
2: this Sing a Song Thursday. And here's why. I'll tell you why. Because we're welcoming him back. Dr. D, which will make me break into song. Well, we tease him a lot because we got him on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm back. Uh, so, yes, Dr. D was gone one day, one day, and I'm like, please come back. Our noted producer, Dr. D, uh, not a doctor, Dennis, took the day off yesterday. He was absent because he was walking in the park, watching winter turn to spring. Uh, that's a great song by Roberta Flack, as Dennis could tell you. Actually, Dennis probably did not know that, but, uh, yes, I uh, cannot help, D, uh, bursting in the song, just seeing your lovely uh, smiling face. Aww uh and the reason you were walking in the park i didn't say this yesterday because i didn't know if the reveal wanted to be revealed but i'm revealing it now his beloved uh, girlfriend samantha was a birthday and they went to the indiana state dunes do i have that correct D? that is correct that is correct senator <laughs> uh so celebrating samantha's birthday uh, everybody together happy birthday
1: to you
2: happy <laughs> that's three
1: songs Did you have a good day off day? Yeah, it was great. Went to the dunes, hung out, got a bunch of sand in my shoe. Fun, fun stuff. All right. I hope you took the sand out before you came in the house.
2: And I uh, hope you got some rest because the news is piling up, young man. Uh, once a week, every Friday, uh, we do Oh, What a Week. How about that, D? I got it right. Uh, and the news <laughs> has been piling up for Dr. D. And this one tidbit uh, there's just a tidbit in today's sometimes. Uh, D, I hope you're uh, taking notes on this one because I know we're going to take the deep dive in this. One of our favorite co- subjects on the Ben Jarowski show is the. Oh, my God. The shit show that is the Republican Party in general, but in the state of Illinois in particular. And uh, today's bright one, my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. Chicago Sun-Times brought me news that there's a new Republican candidate for governor. Uh, I I took pride in the fact that I'm probably the only lefty in the world, uh, definitely only uh, lefty with a pod uh, who hosts a left-wing podcast uh, that knows all the or knows of, I should say, all the governor, Republican candidates for governor in the state of Illinois and their particular stances on the issue and what distinguishes one from another. And I can always tell when I'm talking to someone who does not listen to my show on a regular basis when I mention uh, one of them, like let's say I mentioned Darren Bailey DB, they'll go, who? And I go, oh, you're not listening to to the Ben Jarovsky show, because we've talked extensively about Darren Bailey trying to scare you into realizing Democrats. It's a scary world out there. You think you're so safe and secure here in the blue bubble of Illinois? Look what's happening in California, ladies and gentlemen. Got to pay attention to this stuff. Anyway venture capitalist, uh super rich guy named Jesse Sullivan. Never heard of him before, folks. I'm not going to pretend like I know him. A lot of times I pretend I know stuff that I don't know. But in this case, I'm not going to pretend. He's already raised, uh, according to the Sun-Times, $11 million. Hasn't even announced yet. I don't think anybody in the state of Illinois knows who this guy is. Uh, but he's already raised $11 million. Wow. To which uh, Rich Miller... Uh, from uh, Capital Facts says, and I quote, "Dude isn't messing around." Great quote, quote
1: Rich Miller, and you're absolutely uh, correct. Wait, this is in: JB Pritzker found $11 million in the dryer in one of his <laughs> pair of pants. <laughs> hey, I was gonna. <laughs> oh, hold on, D. It's the COVID kicking
2: in. Uh, I just want to say this, uh, Jesse. Selby, to Dennis's point, you think you're slick. With your $11 million that you got a little rich friends, your venture capitalist friends kicked in for you. J.B. pritzker has got way more money than that. And yes, I know you're going to say, oh, Ben, you're a hypocrite. You believe in all this public financing laws and reforming it and this, that, and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm a hypocrite. I like it when like a, a liberal the Democrats got the money and the Republicans are scrambling to keep up. I suppose the other way around so anyway uh super rich venture capitalists uh from uh downstate illinois jesse sullivan i'm thinking he's a super rich venture capitalist didn't we always go down this path in illinois Didn't we try that with bruce rauner remember bruce rauner ladies and gentlemen uh, my source for all this, by the way, is as I said, the Chicago Sun Times, a story with no byline. Apparently, nobody wanted to be associated with this dude. I don't just kidding. Uh, and here's a quote from the Sun Times uh, Sullivan has declined Sun Times requests for an interview this week. Not a good sign, ladies and gentlemen. Hasn't even announced he's officially running. He's already ducking the press. Well, we'll see. Sooner or later, Sullivan, you're going to have to answer some questions. What's your opinion on abortion rights, for instance? What's your opinion about that new abortion law in Texas? What's your opinion about the Supreme Court ruling uh, on that issue? How about this one? What's your opinion about whether Donald Trump won November's election? That question tied up Gary Rabin, another Republican uh,
1: candidate. Rabine, Rabine,
2: You know... (laughs) If I want to call him Rabine, I'll call him <laughs> Rabin Rabine. What's the difference, D? Cicada, Cicada. What's the difference? <laughs> uh r- r- what is it again? Rabine it's or Rabine? Rabine.
1: It's Rabine. Both of them. <laughs>
2: Whatever. He's not going to be the kid nominee anyway, so why are we wasting our time talking about him? I'll tell you why we're wasting our time talking about him because he totally he totally epitomizes The helplessness of the Republican Party. Follow me on this, folks. Someone asked him, well, uh, candidate, whatever your last name is, what's your position on whether Donald Trump won the election? His response, more or less, was along the lines of I'm not smart enough to know that. (laughs) Well, if you're not smart enough to know whether Donald Trump won an election that he clearly lost, I don't know what qualifies you to be governor of the state of Illinois. Once again, people, MAGA controls the Republican Party. Donald Trump controls MAGA, at least for the moment. So if you want to win the Republican primary for governor, you have to declare your allegiance to all things Donald Trump and Jesse Sullivan. That won't change for you, no matter how many millions you may raise from your cronies. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Our first guest is here. Ann Emerson, top aide to Scotty Waggospeck. I'm looking at her right now. She showed up early. I love when guests show and she's already weighed in with some funny comments about Candyman. In uh, the second part of the show, uh, election lawyer Adolfo Dragon. Uh, Adolfo Mondragon will uh, show up, we call him El Dragon and yes, Dennis is absolutely correct, Uh, he's known to have uh, a potty mouth, so we'll do the over-under again, how many minutes before he drops the F-bomb, as he explains Chicago politics, election law and all kinds of issues, including Zoom court and I might as well, I think I'm going to ask him to weigh in on the, uh, uh, the Supreme Court ruling as well. Everybody has to uh, weigh in on that one. Anyway, uh, Ann Emerson, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to uh, to join
0: us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, when Dennis mentioned potty language, I just assumed that was because you were going to refer to me as my full title. But
2: Yes, we'll get to that. Her full title, and she has a sense of humor about it. Uh, and th- we'll get into that. Whether you should have a sense of humor about some of the things I know, uh, it's probably best to, to have a sense of humor, but Ann Emerson, I, before we get into, uh, what were the meat of the matter, uh, was along with a good friend of this show, uh, Joanna Klonski Joanna, if you're listening, hello, uh, was completely and totally and unfairly. Uh, dehumanized and trashed by a certain alderman of the 45th war named Jim Gardner, who I don't know, never met. But I'm not off to a good start with this guy. Uh, I met pretty much... I haven't met every alderman. No, I've stopped meeting aldermen a while ago, uh, but I know I've known tons of aldermen in my lifetime and um, most of them can refrain uh, from talking about women without throwing out the B word immediately or the C word immediately. But apparently uh, Jim Gardner's got some issues uh, on that front uh, as has been revealed, uh, I guess I'm going to give a shout out to block club. I know Anne's going to correct me and tell me exactly who broke the story first, but I'm giving a shout out to block club cause they've done some great coverage of this. Uh, so Anne was kind enough to, uh, come on the show and talk about this matter. And, um, I don't know. And to me, it's part of a, a larger trend hostility, uh, toward women in general. Uh, and I, and I'm going to bring in the, uh, Texas law regarding abortion. I think that's all part of this Absolutely. larger uh, issue. And then what's going on at the park district. I want to give a shout out to Scotty Waggsback and boss, one of the few aldermen who's spoken up on behalf of the female lifeguards. Uh, who have been um, largely ignored in the city of Chicago, particularly by the Park District. And sh- so shout out to you, Alderman uh, Scott Wagesbeck, uh, for standing up on their behalf. All right, Ann, let's just start with the beginning. Why don't you introduce your first time on our show? So just take a moment to introduce yourself uh, to uh, our listeners so that people can see what a great person you are and that you bear absolutely no resemblance to the the things
0: so, oh, I might. Sure. Who can tell, right? You know? <laughs> um, thank you so much again for having me. Uh, so, Ann Emerson here. Uh, I am currently the Chief of Staff for the Committee on Finance. Uh, so, that's that's my show down at City Hall. And uh, previously, I was the Policy and Legislation Director to the Progressive Caucus from to about 2015 to 2019. Yeah. So, I've been... a. Uh, in the mix with these guys for a long time. And, uh, you, you mentioned the, that most people can get through a conversation with me without calling me a bitch. And I would actually really like to impress that upon people. I, the outpouring of support I've received from many aldermen, older people and departments and folks that I've worked with for years, even when I was just an independent contractor has been really heartening and I came up working in construction and working in law. And so I've sort of been elbowing my way out of rooms full of dudes with a lot of big opinions and feelings since I was about 15 and working at city council, both just as a just as a contractor, just as someone who was there to, you know, write laws for all sorts of different clients. Um and my two and a half years now on the government side, it has really by and large been a pleasure. I you know people I can have a fight with someone about a given issue or we can argue about a given piece of legislation, and then we leave the room and we go back to talking about our lives or make plans to have a beer. it's It's really not been an issue uh, it, it's, it's sort of in this way for me. So this has all been a little, uh, I'm still a little shell-shocked. mm mm-hmm.
2: All right. Why don't you talk about how you became aware of what Gardner had to say for you? Again, Jim Gardner is a rookie alderman uh, from the 45th Ward in the city of Chicago. Just uh, folks outside of the city don't know what the 45th Ward is. It's on the northwest side of Chicago. So just folks, even if you've only come to Chicago once in a while, just imagine going, driving from the loop in a cab toward O'Hare. And at some point, you're going to go through the 45th Ward. Uh, on the Northwest side of uh, Chicago. And uh, so how did you become aware of what uh, Jim Gardner had uh, said to you in a text? Uh, to um, some, We don't know who he texted, but anyway, how did, uh, how did you become aware of it?
0: I became aware because a friend, I'm a terrible tweeter. So I apologize to all of these very lovely people who've sent messages of support and have followed me on Twitter. I get on Twitter once a fiscal quarter and you know sort of catch up I'm very much a passive observer um, but appreciate everyone nonetheless so a friend of mine sent me a tweet from the People's Fabric who've been doing incredible work uh, and, I, and it's my understanding that they were I think they may have been first in receipt of the, these particular texts and uh, so i, I I had been on calls all day and in meetings. And then finally I looked down at my phone and I have several messages from this particular friend saying, look at your messages, pick up your phone. I'm calling for a reason. And that's when I saw it. And, uh, my mother had just flown into town from Boston because my birthday was this past Friday. And, um, just really next thing I knew I was spending the afternoon on calls and, uh, Sort of just trying to trying to figure out what any of it meant
2: mm-hmm. So what he uh, exactly said, he referred to you uh, in a text to, I I don't know, again, I do not know uh, who he was texting because the identity of the person uh, that Gardner was texting uh, has not been revealed. I think it was a former employee and the People's Fabric, you're correct to give them a shout out is a uh, a community, I was going to say newspaper, but it's an online publication uh, that's had sort of a contentious relationship to put it mildly with Alderman Jim Gardner, apparently a lot of people. People have contentious relationship with this guy. This guy's got some temper issues that he's got to really deal with. Uh, anyway, uh, so they got a hold of these uh, text messages. Uh, and, and in one exchange, he had referred to you as Alderman Scott back's bitch. Yes. Uh, and... Um, I called you a top aide to to Alderman Scott Waggisback and you immediately corrected me that you actually work for the finance committee, not, you don't even work directly for Scott Wagesback. Well, I do in
0: his capacity as the chairman of the finance committee, of course. Uh, That is, that is who I answer to. Um, But yes, the, uh, the, the show that I run, if you will, is the committee on finance.
2: So when he calls you that, like, what do you think he's getting at? What's going on in his demented little mind uh, when he says something? Um, when he like boils down the essence of your existence to your connection?
0: Well, it's certainly uh, easy, isn't it? Isn't that such an easy and uh, I would argue just a very uninspired way to refer to women, especially women who uh, seem to have some semblance of power and authority in city politics and city government. Um, Because clearly I I, being a policy nerd, I've obviously been far more behind the scenes. Uh, You know, I, you and I have known each other because of, you know, through the caucus and whatnot, but Joanna's obviously had to deal with a a lot more sort of public facing stuff. Um, It's just, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, whenever I come across behavior like this, I always want to say, oh, I, I guess I thought you'd be better at your job than that. You know, to, to speak about two women who have been aligned and worked together for many years uh, in such a dismissive and derogatory fashion.
2: Yes, the other woman, of course, uh, is, is Joanna Klonsky, a good friend of the show. As I said many times, she comes on. We do the creep report about men behaving uh, badly. And this is a classic case of that. Uh, and uh, he alluded in a different text to her. He also called her uh, a bitch. And um, now, uh, Joanna has, gets involved uh, in politics, uh, she was a, uh, an advisor consultant to, uh, John Arena, who was a uh, gardener's predecessor as alderman of the 45th ward. So I'm not saying he has a reason for calling her that, but, uh, I could understand why he would have a hostility to someone who's connected with the other side. It doesn't justify using that language, but I can understand the hostility. I don't understand where his attitude toward you come from.
0: Uh, well, given that he seems to know an uncanny amount about, uh, quote unquote opposition, if you will, I, I don't think it's a secret to anyone that again, in my role with the progressive caucus that obviously, uh, I worked closely with John Arena for many years. Um, whether or not that's something that people know, again, I, I'm sort of the person that wrote their laws and arranged their policy positions and, and worked closely with Joanna to make sure we could pull them off. And um, So, I, but again, I, I think that goes to the point of it, it really doesn't matter. You can have ire for someone and be far more intelligent in your approach to uh sort of taking them down a peg or two if that was the goal here uh but also what is the again that brings us sort of the broader issue of a lot of people just seem to be taking women down a peg or two all over the place right now so texas being no uh no different
2: yeah we'll get into the texas what's happening in texas and the connection Uh, I definitely believe there is a connection. Uh, All right. So when I ask you this question, I'm almost asked this question for myself as well. And, uh, so what, what do you think is the proper response in a moment like that? He, by the way, so these texts reveal that he said also said nasty things about, uh, Alderman Tom Tunney uh, as well. And, um, uh, so what and and it's some neighbors some residents of his ward that he just obviously cannot stand so here he is it's pub been publicly revealed uh that he called you the b word i uh, does he really doesn't even know you at all in a very dismissive and uh hostile uh, manner so what do you think is the proper response when someone does is so aggressive and it comes out how do you think the the injured party should respond
0: um, well, I responded the way I wanted to respond, which was to uh, take a take a beat and then request an in-person meeting because I don't think that uh, – I'm going to go off a little bit here. I think that often I compare this to sort of the times when I was young. I was, you know, 11 years old, taking the train through Boston to go to school every day and met with, you know – sexual or harassing or um yeah i mean clearly gender motivated harassment from people and you learn it's sort of put in you to not uh not yell for someone to come help you out not say this creep is is touching me right now or making me feel uncomfortable or blocking my way because people sort of look at you like you're making us all uncomfortable Why are you putting us all in this position where we we have to uh, face this and stand up against it? Uh, And I didn't want to be drawn in. I needed a minute. I didn't want to be drawn into one of those situations where I was sort of expected to take a, a rote apology over the phone for something that I wasn't entirely sure what I, how I felt about it or what my obligation to myself and to others, and especially these people who are living in a ward who are, who are completely muted when they're represented by someone who's coming after them personally, physically, uh, through, you know, through their language, um, through intimidation. So he texted me and his text verbatim said, Good morning, Anne. This is Alderman Jim Gardner. Please call me at your convenience. Thank you. And I responded with Good morning, Alderman. I would rather have a face to face meeting about this. Do you have availability after council on the 14th? I've heard nothing since. Radio silence. That was, that was, it'll be a week ago today, tomorrow morning. So I think that um, this seems to be part of a pattern. And there are plenty of other people who deserve representation who've experienced similar outbursts. And so I just feel an obligation to have accountability that means something Mm -hmm. as opposed to picking up the phone, sort of have to accept an apology and that box is ticked.
2: Let's just uh, let me take a moment here to point out, uh, contrast the responses uh, there, the reach out, if you will, that Gardner made after uh, his texts were published, publicized. So we know there were three people I've mentioned already. Uh, There's Scott Waggis back. There was a disparaging comment in the text about how Scott's dressed, uh, which at his worst, Scott's dress is better than I do, so I'm in no position to make fun <laughs> of Scott's dress. Oh my God, Gardner would have a field day with me, uh, and at least when it comes to dress. And then there was Tom Tunney, uh, who he uh, denigrated. The uh, Tom Tunney, the uh, alderman of the 44th ward, uh, was denigrated. Uh, he denigrated Ann Emerson, uh, and he denigrated Joanna Klonsky, as I mentioned. Now that did not that did not emerge publicly for a couple of days. That hit the next
0: day, I believe. The next day, okay. The end of the next day.
2: So two men, two women. Gardner called the men. He called Tom Tunney, and he called Scotty Waggs back. Called them directly. Uh, In the case of Ann Emerson uh, and Joanna Klonsky, uh, he sent them a text asking them to call him. Now this was my read of this Ann, and feel free to disagree with me if you do. uh, unlike Jim Gardner, I welcome guests uh disagree with me from time to time. I believe he was treating you as a subordinate. I believe he was treating uh, Scott as a peer. So it's like, well, I'm an alderman. I will apologize to the alderman. He didn't even, like, I don't even, he barely even insulted. Scott just made fun of his clothes. I don't know why. Like, he called Scott to apologize to Scott, but he didn't call Ann. He's like, oh, Ann, you call me. Jim Carter, that's not an apology. That's a command. That's an order. It's like you're treating Anna. You're like doubling down.
0: I definitely, there was nothing in that text that suggested uh, why he was, as I said, I mean, that was verbatim. There's nothing in that text to suggest why he wanted me to call him. There was, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because it's you. My name was misspelled. I'm Anne with an E just so everyone knows I'm a four letter word, if you will. And, uh, God knows my name had already been splashed over every media outlet by Friday morning at, you know, nine something when I received that text. So, uh, yeah, I, again, I, um, I didn't, I didn't have any missed calls from him. However, you know, my, my work phone goes off at the end of the day. So, um and either way the point is, right, he didn't reach me. If if you're making an apology, if you if you genuinely feel you owe someone uh your sentiments of regret and uh want to ask them what they need from you to resolve the situation, you keep going until you get them. Yeah. Um that's that's where I land on that sort of thing. And I texted and explained exactly what I needed uh, in terms of a conversation and was met with radio silence. So.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's really hard because uh, Chicago is a very, this is me speaking, uh, not Ann Emerson, but Chicago's a rough city in terms of, like, you're supposed to be tough and take it. And uh, so, like, i think thinking of, of Tom Tunney's response, uh, for instance, Alderman Tom Tunney, Alderman of the 44th Ward. And I got issues with one, this one, Ann. I may have mentioned this year already, but I'm just going to say it. I've already said it on the air anyway. I got issues with it because Tom Tunney's attitude was like, well, he called, he apologized, it's over. I'm completely over it. He called me a bitch, but I'm completely over that. And I'm like, well, I can't read Tom Tunney's mind, so I don't, I mean, I'm just going to assume that he's one of the few individuals in the history of humanity who got immediately over being called out that way. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I just, most people would be really pissed off and hold a grudge forever. Go ahead, take it away. Anne.
0: I definitely can't speak for him. And, uh, you know, I think that there's no, there's no accounting for what people have been through in their lives that, uh, sort of, determine how they handle situations like this. So I really, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. And I wouldn't guess at it. And I enjoy a very respectful, pleasant relationship with Chairman Tunney. Um, what I will say is that even in some of the and I received so much support. I mean, I people would be very surprised at some of the people who they would assume were on opposite sides of things. So like, oh, they mustn't have a personal relationship or they mustn't have worked together in the past. I have worked with about about 70, 80% of council. Yeah, about 80% of council in some way or another over the past 6 years. Um, and furthermore, especially when you're a contractor, you do not, sort of like working a beat, you do not get anywhere by doing anything other than pleasing and thank you-ing everyone that you come across, not just because it's 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 the right thing to do all the time. Um, but also I' just I don't know how other people get anywhere, but it's always been, the easiest way to not have a door closed in your face and, and not set something up for failure. Um, So, but even in some of the, the sort of messages of support I, I received, there was sort of that, like, well, I, I know you won't give this the time of day. And I think that that was meant in the sense of like, you know, you're tough, you're strong, you're, you're capable. You have succeeded on your own. I understand that, but there's also sort of that, there's sort of that sentiment of uh, what it means to not give it the time of day is just move forward, and my response to that is well, I am going to give it the time of day because it's not just about me, it's not just about this moment in time, and it's not just it's not just about Alderman Gardner, right? It's a it's about a bigger issue and sort of the insidiousness of casual sexism and misogyny. Mm. Um, all institutionalized isms I would argue are the ones that really second by second strip away the autonomy of people who are disenfranchised or don't have as much access to a platform or don't have, um, you know, it's just as many roads to make themselves heard. Mm.
2: Well put, and uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm a model. I'm, <laughs> I, I just wanted to let you know that, Ann. I'm not saying I'm a model, okay? I'm cut from the cloth of my dear mom, may she rest in peace. My mom, well, <laughs> she was known to hold a grudge for 20 years. Hey, man. You I know mean, you know, and I'm uh, from Boston, I get it, and I know that uh, if someone had done that to like her anyone related to her it would be
0: My mom was not impressed. My yeah. mother is a 78 year old attorney from East Hartford and then Boston and she was in town for all this. Um, but also I'll say uh, and she had some choice words that's for sure far more intelligent choice words. Uh, but I will also say this sort of leads me to the thing of this has really made my professional and personal life, suffer as well in the sense that it's the week before committee. I mean, my work days are 14 hours long without sort of needing to address the elephant in the room on every call I get on. And then to, you know, I, I had family in town, we were having a party for my birthday and it sort of, it sort of took all the oxygen out of the room. And that's another thing I think doesn't necessarily occur to people right away. I didn't want to spend my whole long weekend with my mom and my friends talking about you know casual sexism and the alderman of the 45th ward Mm
2: -hmm. well i will say to the point that you've gotten support i saw the latest uh, black club story they and they've been all over this got to get black club a shout out again uh and uh sue Sedlowski garza one of my favorite alder women she knows it uh the original
0: yeah (laughs) as we call her
2: uh she uh she said that he uh, owes you to Polly. He should have showed up at your door, knocked on your door, and apologized. I'm like, come on, Sue. I don't want this guy anywhere near Ann Emerson's door. He call her up, all right? Uh, that's me speaking, not Ann Emerson. Uh, so I love you, Sue, but come on now. I don't want him knocking on anyone's door. Uh, just do it. Just call him up and ap- treat Ann Emerson the way you treated Tom Tunney. Call her up, uh, and then uh, 20. I think it's 20 Alderman uh, signed. Uh, a statement condemning Gardner's behavior. Uh, as City Clerk Anna Valencia signed it as well. And I just want to give a shout out to my beloved members of the far left uh, Democratic Socialist Caucus. I think every single one of them. I see you, JT, on there. Jeanette Taylor's on there. Uh, Birosical Lopez. Absolutely. And I well. don't have
0: Jeanette cell, so actually, I, I I hope she does listen because I can't wait to see her on Tuesday and thank her. Um, I've tried to be in touch uh, with as many people as possible to thank them. The the support's been really, uh, really heartening and it just makes, it makes it a lot easier to when, when, again, women have to do, (laughs) women have to do the work on the thing when they're the offended parties. It's made it a lot easier to sort of, um, keep the conversation going until we get some semblance of accountability and response on this.
2: And let me, we'll close with this. Uh, we've been talking a lot on this show uh, all week, as you can imagine, and about uh, the Texas abortion law. I mean, we will be continually talking about it. And I'll be warning people that, uh, you know, you, you mess around here in Illinois, you can lose your rights as well.
0: Uh, exactly. California exactly.
2: is facing this right now. with It's their- only ever
0: four years away.
2: Yeah. So it just, I started off talking about, the, the wacky Republicans running for governor here in Illinois, uh, you, you think you're safe and you may not be, uh, but in your mind, what's the connection between the law that was just passed in Texas and then upheld by the Supreme Court, essentially, uh, and it's just sort of the uh, antagonistic aggressive behavior uh, that is to, just sort of casually displayed uh, by men toward women?
0: The successes of the women's movement uh, that we owe thanks first and foremost to um, you know the revolutionaries um, that that brought it forward for everyone um, especially um, you know those who had to fight the hardest and received the the least um, Uplifting, which, you know, women of color and indigenous women. um, And that movement is being clawed back at a pace that uh, takes up about 30% of my brain 120% of the time. We do not treat women as capable, autonomous human beings, Capable of making sound decisions for themselves or others. And that's not accurate. Every, why wouldn't people think it's fine to one off me as a bitch when we have national movements? taking away our most fundamental rights to bodily autonomy. And I, I don't know where to begin. And I'd be more than happy to come back on if you want to talk about it at greater length. But again, we talk about, we talk about crime yet. uh, Rape is called sexual assault or sexual violence more often than not on news programs. Um, We still have this, what I deem to be a deeply puritanical reaction to, much like the Parks District issue, issues of sexual harassment, sexual violence, um, abuse. I get it. Those are all very icky things, but they are realities that uh, women and many other disenfranchised identifying people have lived with every second of every moment of every day. And it's exhausting. And I think that when you, (sighs) we're just, again, we're just so still deeply influenced by this. Oh, that's kind of gross and it's kind of touchy and it gets into people's private lives and it gets into people's bodies and it gets into people's, it gets into sex. I hate to break it to you, but for everybody that it's actually victimizing, it's all they ever get to think about. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how anything changes.
2: All right. Uh, Ann Emerson, thanks, uh, for coming on and talking about this. And yeah, maybe I will bring you back for a larger discussion about the, uh, abortion law, uh, in Texas. I'm with you hundred percent on that one. I see the connection. It's just like more violence against women, uh, more control And uh, more totalitarian, man, I'll tell you what, the right they discovered for about a brief moment, the concept of liberty when it came to uh, vaccine mandates and then having embraced it, they just suddenly discarded it Uh, and uh, really fast when it came to the Texas law regarding uh, women and uh, how what they do with their bodies. It's very interesting. Uh, different attitudes about liberty. Ann Emerson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
0: Thank you and, so much uh, for having me. Now I'm going to hop off and figure out how many how many people I offended in the past 20
2: minutes. <laughs> oh, you didn't offend anybody. Uh, that's Ann Emerson. Uh, thank you very much. We're going to take a break. When we return,
1: Adolfo Mondragon will be with us. Hey, everybody, we're back. Before we get back to the show, though, uh, live streamers, we do have a show. We recorded it yesterday. We just didn't live stream it. Go check it out. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. Ben, who do we have on on the show yesterday?
2: Who do we have on the... Oh, my goodness. That was a great show, live streamers. Uh, yes, it just shows you... Um, I shouldn't expose uh, <laughs> the backdrop of the Ben Jarofsky show because it, we're hanging by a thread sometimes, seem technologically, but D- uh, Dennis has figured out a way to do the live stream. He's probably the guy's a genius. <laughs> uh, and apparently there's only one computer that can do it. So uh, when the doctor uh, took that stroll through the park, watching winter turn to spring uh we couldn't do the live stream but yes uh dj nate uh, uh dropped it it's on youtube and it's uh it's actually a the video image you can see me and uh, my bulls hat uh and uh, monroe anderson looking very dapper uh as as he always does um and we were talking what else about trump and um Uh, and, uh, Texas. And then Jason Lee joined us and Jason is our in-house expert on Texas. He was born and raised in Texas, does political uh, strategy work in Texas and Chicago. And then we really got into all kinds of issues uh, about the politics of abortion and the crime issues, uh, in the city of Chicago. So really good stuff. Uh, if you missed it. I must say so myself.
1: So you can check out the video. It's on YouTube. We just didn't live stream it, but we did record it. It is on YouTube, and you can download it, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarovsky. J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. All right, let me hit this button here. I started the clock. Uh, Adolfo Mondragon should be on soon. Uh, okay. so, so far, uh, five seconds without cursing. So, I mean, he isn't <laughs> on yet, but, I mean, it is a record so far, maybe. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, so I got to, I shouldn't even, I, you know, I'm revealing so much.
2: It's I'm like incapable, you know, it's like, I'm like Jim Carrey and liar liar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't help myself. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, so, you know, my guest, I was like, where's the link? And I go, he sent it only. I mi- mistakenly sent the text to our last guest, Ann Emerson, who's probably wondering what is this, this baby boomer is going around the deep end oh, lordy yeah uh, we haven't anyone, we haven't had
1: uh, adolfo on
2: in a while have we you no know, we haven't had adolfo on uh in quite a while and i was talking adolfo and i uh, oh there's that there's adolfo mondragon uh <laughs> it all worked out well adolfo i was just saying that, that we haven't had you on uh, on in a while uh, it seems like you've been on the show Because you and I have attended so many baseball games Together this summer <laughs> you We've know, our beloved White Sox And I want to thank That's Adolfo right. he, He's the one who has the, got the tickets He thought ahead of time He got the tickets ahead of time That's right uh, So uh, we have a blast when we go to those games But I, I've said this on the show many times, Adolfo Before we take the deep dive in the issues of the day I just got to say this You and I are Pretty much The only people Wearing masks at White Sox Park. I've pointed this out. and I don't I don't know if this is a statement about you and I and the cautiousness with which we go through life uh, or it's a statement about just sort of the worldview of White Sox fans. Like, would it be any different at Wrigley Field with Cub fans? I don't know. I've not been to a Cubs game in so long. I cannot stand the the owners of the Cubs. So I'm kind of boycotting the Cubs these days, Adolfo. Uh, but has it, it's been a couple of weeks, about three weeks since you and I went to a game and you've been there since. Are there more masks at White Sox Park these days uh, than there were the last time we were at a game or is it still the same? If there were, it's a
3: sprinkling, man. Like it's, it's gotta be less than a percent of the stadium that has masks. Um, you see here and there, but um I think there was one game where we went and we like saw virtually no one. No <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I see a sprinkling here and there. Um but you no, know, it's um a lot of people are just super confident, <laughs> you know? And that's great. If they're vaccinated and everything, that's that's awesome. And while you're in your seat in the open air, um, I mean you're still pretty close to everyone behind you and around you, but um, you know, if you got the air circulating or whatever. Okay, I get that, but if you're waiting in line or in the concourse, dude, what? Come on, man, put that fucker
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, put it on, White Sox fans. Come on. I don't know if it's. I, I, I mean, like I said, it may be uh, not just White as, Sox, fans, as but you can,
3: as you can hear my voice, I have a cold. Thank God, it's not COVID. Yeah, but. If if my brother-in-law came in last week to to do some stuff, and then my my sister and stuff were probably carrying it, too. But that's how quickly I got it, and that's a cold. Imagine this infectious-ass Delta variant, you know? And so it just goes to show you, man, you've got to wear that mask.
2: Man, it, it, you don't have a cold. You're just up until six in the morning, smoking cigarettes and drinking booze, man. Like Tom waits. It, it's all
3: the smoking that I do, right? <laughs> uh,
2: so I just the last time we were out of here, I ran over this the last time, but we're sitting here, and then this, uh, um, this, there was a man and his daughter in an empty seat and me, and then. <laughs> And then the wife came, the mom came, and she's walking up. She doesn't have a mask on. And I'm like, I look at the man, and there was an empty seat next to the man. So I say to the man, if you follow me, this one, people, I don't know if you're following me, I'm just going to go with it anyway. I say to the man, hey, could, could, could could you like move down a seat or have your wife sit next to you so I don't have to sit next to her? Cause she's not wearing a mask. The man looks at me like I don't want to sit next to her anymore. Uh, so she sat down right next to me, and it is—I mean, she okay? We're outdoors, all right, people. I hear you. But it's awfully close for comfort. I'm yeah, yeah. like, lady, just look at your husband, who you apparently don't like. He doesn't like you, but just look at him. Probably what, insulted what, did these she, what did she tell you? She said, I'm vaccinated, or what did she say? I think she told me F you. Uh, no, no, she didn't tell me F you. Uh, I can't remember what she told me. She may have told me she was vaccinated. Yeah, could could have been the bad. So. But, you know, by then, yeah. look, so I'm so paranoid about getting this thing.
3: But, dude, just, there was a, there was an empty seat next to her husband. Come yeah, on. That's yeah. the part. Like, either move the
2: fuck down or, you know. <laughs> and the husband was basically looking at me going, I don't want to sit next to her. What <laughs> makes you think I want to sit next to her? Oh, <laughs> my God. And then the White Sox lost the game. There you go. Oh, on top God. of everything else, the White Sox lost. So I finally went to a, a winning game, which is uh,
3: cool, because I thought I was jinxing them for a while. You thought you were okay. I was, yeah, I was.
1: No, we went,
3: to, went to, a, to a good game and they won,
2: and uh, so I felt really good about that shit. You know? All right, uh, let's uh, move on. I have a whole bunch of issues I want to talk to you about. I sent you your uh, homework. Did you get a chance to read your homework assignments? I, I
3: did, and it's uh, it's pretty interesting, but it's very simple too. <laughs>
2: uh, the homework assignments—they're not hard homework assignments. I never give guests hard homework assignments. No, 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 no.
3: The issue—the issue the is—is. Issue is, it's uh, it's an interesting issue, but at the heart of it is some lazy detective work is what it is.
2: All right, let's get at it. We talked about uh, Jason Lee was on the show yesterday. Uh, we talked about it, and and uh, I've been thinking about it ever since. And uh, I'll give a little summary, and then I'll kick it over to Adolfo. As I do remember, Adolfo is A. An attorney, a practicing attorney. B. He's a former political candidate, ran for alderman uh, and state senator. And C. He lives uh, on the south side of Chicago in the back of the yards area. I believe his alderman is uh, Raymond Lopez, alderman of the 15th ward, who's really making his name as a tough law and order uh, alderman. So. Um, Uh, So Adolfo has a lot of opinions on this, Uh, and the issue that was addressed in the and he's a civil libertarian. Adolfo Mondragon is something else you should know about him—real civil libertarian, even maybe even maybe even more than I am, if such a thing is possible. Uh, And so the issue uh, we talked about it yesterday is this: uh, that there is a conflict, to put it mildly, between uh, some police officers, some detectives, and prosecutors with Kim Fox's office as to whether charge should be filed uh, in certain high-profile murder cases. Cases, uh, shooting cases and the police want the charges filed uh and the prosecutors are telling the police we can't take this to court and file charges because your case isn't strong enough to win a conviction we don't want to have to go through this whole process and not get a conviction so you got to come back with stronger evidence and the police are resisting, and they say that we want to file the charges on ourselves if we have to, and it's going back and forth, and it's sort of leading to this uh, this notion that's out there, Adolfo, that the crime, the shootings, the violence in Chicago, an astounding amount of violence in this city, uh, is there's a correlation between that uh, and the reluctance of Kim Fox and her prosecutors to crack down on criminals and throw the book at him, so to speak. So that's just the general setup we talked about it yesterday with Jason Lee. Your thoughts, Adolfo?
3: Yeah, I think when you read the uh, news article, it's pretty clear to me right away as a lawyer that this matter uh, completely turns on uh, lazy detectives in that area the the case of, um, that they talk about with the shooting of the, the seven year old, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Now everybody, including Kim Fox, no matter what you believe, uh, everybody uh, when something like that happens, wants Swift arrests made and they want, you know, to get um, the, the the culpable individuals behind behind bars. But in this case anyway, they they did some investigation. They had some amount of information, but they didn't have enough to arrest the guy. And the detective, they, the, the the prosecutors told the detective, go do more cop work and get the fucking facts. And the guy comes back and says, I'm tired. I've been working on this for two days. I want to go home and see my family. Well, tough shit, motherfucker. If anyone has ever read... um the book um, about um, John Wayne Gacy and how they caught him, Uh, I think it's called like Killer Clown or something. Um, They know that those cops worked endlessly because they had only a certain amount of time to get the goods on John Wayne Gacy before he either hid all the evidence or he bailed on them or whatever. And they worked, it was around Christmas time. It was like right before Christmas. So... You know, I'm not crying any tears for these detectives who are working, you know, for two days in a row or whatever. They're tired and I don't want to go get more more, uh, evidence. So just either, you know, well, in this case, the detective said, well, fuck it. Then don't charge him. But his higher ups were like, no, charge the fucker. And they're like, then go do the detective work. If you want the charge on the guy, go do police work. Go do it. Get the goods on the guy, get the right guy, and then get that, get that evidence so that the prosecutor doesn't have to struggle, even if it's circumstantial, get a good circumstantial case and try the fucker. Mm -hmm. And what gets me is that these higher up cops, they have horrible, horrible numbers on, on closing out murders. And so they just want wins. They want to fudge the numbers or whatever. And so their lazy asses don't want to fucking put the time in to get the evidence. But then you get politicians who want to fucking sound tough on crime and want to blame the, the the prosecutor for this. I'm, I'm glad that I live in a, in, 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 in a time where a prosecutor and their office is willing to say like, no, this isn't enough evidence. Go get the fucking evidence before I put charges on this person. Because, once you charge somebody, the percentage of, you know, whether you're whether you're right or wrong, and particularly if you're wrong, you know, the chances that this innocent person is going to find their way out of this case is very slim. Because mm-hmm. now the burden is, you know, really high on this person to show their innocence, even though it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And so I'm glad that we, you know, are living in a time where the prosecutor's office is is demonstrating that once in a while, they're willing to say like, "No, go. This is not enough. This is an important case. Go out there and do the police work so that I can bring in a good conviction." <laughs> um, so I don't get these. You know, I understand the frustration in the community, particularly when it's a when it's a, a child or when it's like the young, um, you know, the the young armed services guy. Um, because it is tragic, right? I mean, any death is tragic, but there's certain circumstances that make uh, death even more tragic in the community. But come on, dudes. Um, um, Raylo, and what's the other guy? Uh, the guy up Villegas. on
2: the Aldering Viegas from the...
3: Yeah, Villegas, the come on, dudes. I mean... It's 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 one thing if if like they had the goods on these guys and then the prosecutors were like, Well, no, we're not we're not gonna bring charges. But it's the opposite. It's there's the police work wasn't done. They asked the prosecutors asked them, go do more police work. And instead of saying like, well, we don't have the resources or you know, there's just no evidence out there or whatever, they're like, I wanna go home. I haven't right. my
2: kids. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me put it to you this way. I play devil's advocate with you and pretend I'm Ray Low for a moment. Um, alderman Lopez uh, and not so much Vegas. He's heading in that direction, but a lot of the Alderman Napolitano, uh, some of the hardcore uh, law and order aldermen in the city of Chicago have said, in so many words, uh, that there's blood on the hands of all the um, lefties in the city of Chicago who insist on uh, protecting constitutional rights of people in the city uh, as opposed to just giving police pretty much unlimited powers to sweep the streets and get the bad guys off the streets so the murders uh, can go down and every time somebody, it's not, that it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens, even if it just happens once, a person out on a bond kills somebody, they're like, see, that just shows you this tolerance. It's like a Dirty Harry movie from 1970, way before it oh goes. <laughs> and so, as a guy who lives uh, in a high crime, your your particular block is not high crime, but in an area where there's a lot of crime... No,
3: I mean, my 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 I live in a high crime area. Okay, uh, let's, let's just call that. it what it is. I live in the 50 uh, port in Brighton Park, and you go on Citizen, and it just rings
2: every couple minutes. <laughs> so, uh, so isn't there a part of you that says, yes, there is a correlation between tying the hands of police by making them abide by the rules of our Constitution— uh, and crime, is there any part of you that is sympathetic to Ray low's contention?
3: no, in 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 that look, i I sympathize with Ray low in that while I'm a civil libertarian, i'm I have very conservative thoughts and views, man. I carry conceal in my neighborhood, okay? I believe in the Second Amendment. I don't believe in like unfettered Second Amendment rights, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm tough. I'm. I, I I say when they catch a guy and they got the goods on them, let the punishment fit the crime and let there be just desserts. I'm not like some wuss who's like, oh, he was young and you know, and he didn't know what he was doing. No, that's cold blooded murder. Put the guy behind bars. Um, but at the same time, I understand that our society cannot function if we go down a a slippery slope and erode the liberties of individual that individuals have even guilty criminals. Um, Because if you start saying, well, we're only abusing guilty criminals uh, uh, rights uh, before you know it, you're also, uh, er you know, you're, you're abusing my rights. Right. And um, so here's the other thing too. People never think about it, but in our society, um, the two most powerful um, institutions, uh, civic institutions that have um, power, discretional power, are prosecutors and police officers. I'll give you an example: the police officer on, you know, is empowered by immense discretionary power. They're the ones who could decide whether to stop you and give you a ticket or let you go or stop you and search you. Um, and it's in their power to do so. You know, when the cop tells you, like, well, I can't do that. I got to arrest you. No, they have power to make a judgment call and say, I'm going to give you a warning or I'm, you did something bad, but I'm going to let you go if it's something minor. Um, so they have discretion to choose who to stop, Who to harass, you know, who to mess with. And that's already an immense amount of power. Prosecutors, too. Who do they throw the book at? Like, in this case, uh, the prosecutors could have easily said, yeah, I know we need more evidence, but fuck it. It's an important thing. Let's lock this guy up. Does your gut, comp, does your gut tell you that this is the guy who's guilty? That's good enough for me, you know? And so they already have an immense amount of power on who they could mess with. And change their life dramatically. That it's important that there be checks and balances on them, so that they don't abuse this power, and that they don't end up, um, you know, getting used to that power and letting it go to their head, so they start searching in, you know, uh, every individual in, in in town. It's like this: if we wanted to live in a society where there's like virtually no crime, then we w- we wouldn't have the Bill of Rights. We'd allow cops to just search everyone whenever they wanted. And yeah, you'd, you'd fight a lot, of, a lot of drugs, a lot of guns that way, but you also have a repressed society, a society where there's no freedom to do anything because everyone would be scared to go out of the street for fear of being searched or beaten or anything like that in the name of let's put criminals behind bars. And at the end of the day, you still wouldn't get rid of crime anyway. There'd still be some marginal amount of it because you just can't shut it completely down. So... You got to make a balance. And uh, yeah, I get it. I, I, I'm like, get these motherfuckers, the ones who are, you know, doing this crime. But but not, not at the cost of my liberties and your liberties and everyone else's liberties. There are rules. You can play the game by the rules and get good outcomes. So go play the right way. I tell this detective, whoever the guy is yeah, I'm sorry you didn't see your family for two days, but this was an important case and I'll give him credit. He did tell the prosecutors, let the guy go because I don't have enough right now. And, um, but he could have also said, you know what, we're not gonna make the arrest, but give me more time to accumulate evidence against this guy, I'll come back tomorrow and start fresh, mm. you know? And so it's like the rules are there, but they're not hindering the cops. The rules are there to keep them honest. And if they would only do their work, they can get good results within the rules that are supposedly binding them.
2: Now, if you had this debate uh, uh, in your neighborhood uh, in Brighton Park, there you live, with folks in the neighborhood listening with uh, Vegas or uh, Raylo or any of the other aldermen who are hardcore, what do you think the, the people on the block would uh, be cheering? Would they be cheering for you, or they would they be cheering for Vegas and Raylo, etc.?
3: Well, I, I guess you'd find a little bit of of both. I think that the what. What make the difference here would be what their perception of the individuals who did the crime, like, if their perception was like, everyone knows who did it, so go and arrest them, well then yeah, you know? Then they'd be with Reylo, like, oh, everybody knows. Well, everybody knows where's the fucking evidence, right? I mean, but if if people were like, hey man, I've been stopped by cops, you know, uh, incorrectly, many times. Hey, I live in this neighborhood, uh, but I understand you got to do things by the book because I don't want somebody innocent going to jail or having to go through this, you know, without. And come on, and in, in this case again, you know, the, the clock doesn't even start ticking for people who don't know until you make an arrest. You have 48 hours from the time you bring someone in arrested to let them go if you're not going to charge. Here, they hadn't even made an arrest. They still have plenty of time to go find more evidence. But the higher-ups wanted an arrest, so they made the arrest and put the clock out, you know. And when they couldn't come up with more evidence by the time the 48 hours were done, they wanted to extend the clock. It's stupid. They should have just kept investigating, then made the arrest, and everything would have been A-OK. But because the numbers are suffering, it sounds like this area has a miserable probably a miserable record on closing down homicides. And the guy was like, my guys need uh, a morale boost. So we need a win. That's not, that's not good enough. They need a win. So let's put some guy who we don't know if he did it or not behind bars. Come on, dude. And you know what? A lot of times the guys that they want to get are scumbags, but you can only get a scumbag for what he actually did. Not for what somebody else did. That's another part of our rules.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I I didn't mention this to you before we went on the air, but uh, listening to you talk, uh, this has been on my mind a lot. I've talked a lot about it on the show. Get your thoughts. Uh, some of the same people, follow me in this, uh, don't follow. Some of the same people uh, who uh, are demanding uh, that police be given extraordinary powers uh, in these matters uh, to arrest, even if they don't have strong evidence at the moment, or just, or just sweep people off the street and lock them up just to get them off the street. Uh, regardless of what, whether it violates their civil liberties or the people swept off the street, are now saying uh, that government is denying their civil liberties when it comes to making them get a vaccine, vaccine mandates. In fact, it's the police union in in the city of Chicago that's the loudest on this, which (laughs) I'm like... What a hypocrisy, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) You arrest people left and right for all sorts of stuff like jaywalking or whatever, but... If you got to go get a vaccine, well, no, fuck that. You can't enforce a rule
2: on me. I mean, that's just utter stupidity. All right, so what's your view as a civil libertarian? And folks, this dude is a civil libertarian. You got to hear. Sometimes we're going to take a microphone to the White Sox game and just take <laughs> our conversations because they're pretty all over the map. And we cover a lot of topics, uh, including civil liberties. This guy is a real civil libertarian, uh, Adolfo Mondragon is. So, and, uh, in terms of privacy ahead.
3: and vaccines at the yeah. workplace, mm-hmm. look, we have a demonstrated history of requiring vaccines for everything from the time you want to get into kindergarten through what, like sixth grade, eighth grade, every, every couple of years you have to show that you've had vaccines to be in the public schools in the school system. Period. When, when I went to college, I almost didn't get matriculated uh, my first week there because I had to show uh, that a certain vaccine that I got in a certain year. And so I had to dig out my vaccine card and uh, and demonstrate that, I, or else I wouldn't have been admitted. Um, right there, like, like day one, you know, they were like, oh, by the way, you haven't showed that you were vaccine uh, vaccinated on a certain date. So there's already a demonstrated history that we've done this in the past, and it's been something that has not impeded our liberties at all, whether it's privacy or your ability to... Some people are claiming that these things impede your free speech. I don't know how, but, um, they don't, these requirements do not impede any of your liberties. And, uh, so uh, to me, I mean, they, they are not only that, but the rules, these mandates make exceptions for certain things like medical history. And they even provide a religious one, which I think is, is legit, but a lot it's, it's subject to abuse. Right. Um, So they're already making exceptions. And it's just like, dude, not only that on top of that, you add public policy that says that we have a demonstrated history that vaccines, you know, save lives in pandemics, pandemics of the past uh, against illnesses like polio and other diseases. And so, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the yellow fever or whatever, right? Vaccines work, they save lives. So what the fuck is your problem, dudes? Get on the fucking program. Yeah. And and again, as judges have been saying, for example, for against DeSantis, you may have a right to drink, but the minute you get in a car drunk, you know your right to drink is fucking surpassed by our, our right as a society to be free of drunkards from the fucking road. Same thing here, you may have a right to feel that you don't need to be vaccinated, fine. Then stay in your fucking house, don't come out. You know, enjoy your liberty in the backyard. But the minute you come out and you start contaminating the rest of us, then your fucking right is is now trumped by our societal
2: right over your fucking views or whatever on that shit. Well, see. I uh, uh by the way, we got to give Adolfo a The guy is battling right now. He's got he's got a cold. Uh it's like Pavarotti going on stage uh and he's performing anyway and <laughs> get that guy some honey and tea oh, Uh I I I listened to that riff, Dolfo, good job, and I'm thinking I I'm I'm, I'm I'm this idea just popped in my head. I'm not even certain I would make a religious exemption. I don't understand. I need to hear this. Right, what in the world makes a difference religion? If you say, if you argue that your core belief is that government has no uh, right to force you to take a shot. Uh, if you say that um, that's your core belief and that as a result, you will not because of your core belief. Allow yourself uh, to be forcefully vaccinated and uh, that's your core belief. I don't know what this difference between just an atheist saying it and a person saying, well, my religious belief, my my whatever sect of Christianity or Judaism I believe in won't allow. I. Why are we? Yeah, and <laughs> Why also, do we give like, more deference to the guy who says To the the Christian who says it Or the Jew who says it As opposed right. to the atheist who says it Yeah, so I agree with you there in, in terms of that's what makes it
3: exploitative, right I mean, anyone could just say Well, I don't believe on religious grounds And therefore whether you do or you don't, right yeah. But here's where it does get tough is, For example, like Let's say Jehovah Witnesses Who don't believe in blood transfusions, right Yeah and they're in the hospital and, you know, I've heard of cases where parents are like no, no blood transfusion, and if they die, they die, and, you know. And there's a dilemma there between the ethical, the doctor who swears the first two right, and the wishes of this individual on religious, you know, that's tough, right. Um, so I could see there maybe saying where oh, religious might just barely Trump, Right. Here, you're right, it's it's a little different. But let's say it's kind of the same as with the blood transfusion. But the thing is there with the blood transfusion, those Jehovah Witnesses take the hit. They allow these individuals to die. So if you're going to say... I have a religious exemption for this. Then you got to take the hit. Then that means you got to quarantine, you got to mask up, and you got to do every single protection or whatever down the line so that you're not harming the rest of us. So if that's what you want to do, you want to take this exemption. Then you got to pay the cost for that exemption, just the way like somebody would take the blood transfusion. Uh, you know, arguing and saying like, "No, I don't want a doctor giving my son a blood transfusion." Yeah well it's at their cost because they're going to die so here you want to you know you don't want the shot well then you got to take the cost that means that you got to you got to play now by our rules you got to stay at home you got to mask up you got to do everything possible so that you don't get us sick
2: I, I'm with you, and I, I, that's why I, as soon as you went down the road with the blood transfusion analogy, I was all set to say it's different, and then you you beat me to the punch by pointing out how it's different. Uh, I, I tend to find my inner uh, law and order Raylo on this issue, uh, and uh, I'm wondering if Alderman Lopez would join me on this one. But my attitude uh, is if your point – is that your conscience or whatever, your political beliefs or religious beliefs, uh, w- will not allow you for some reason to get this vaccine. Okay. And then, uh, and I come back and say, but if you don't get this vaccine, you could be exposing other people to this disease that could kill them, or you could be exposing yourself to a disease that can, that could kill you and require medical care. And they say I don't care. That's just the way it is. Then I think you should sign a, a freaking waiver saying uh, you're not going to go to the medical care. You're not like Donny yeah, Trump.
3: I, I think I think that you know sometimes if you're if you're opposed to these certain things, then you got to take the hit. It's not like I wanted my way and only my way. Well, hey, it takes two to tango. All right, we're going to give you this exemption, and you'll be free from having to do this, even though we fucking strongly disagree. But in return. You have to do this. You have yeah. to give a waiver and you have to say and live by your fucking decision. Now, you come back out of your decision at any time. I'll give you the shot. You wanna come back over here and change your mind, fine. But until you do that and you get sick, fuck you. You know? Yeah, yeah I mean deep. I think it makes sense. It's two way it's a two way street. You wanna get something, then you gotta give us something too. Okay. and that's the way it's got to work right
2: uh, alright uh, we'll move on from this one and uh, move on to something that's been on my mind get your thoughts on this uh, no ducking and dodging on this one every guest who comes on this show uh, is being uh, forced to address this issue well, almost every guest uh, and uh, I forgot not to ask my last guest but whatever um, alright Adolfo Mondragon. no ducking no dodging <laughs> Former mayor of the city of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, has been nominated to be ambassador to Japan. Uh, the lefties in the Democratic Party, myself included, saying what a disgrace it's it, that he was even nominated. Uh, Dems don't vote for him. Uh, my friends of the moderate persuasion are saying, Ben, Ben, come on. What do you care? Let it alone. Let's just, it's just too much trouble for Joe Biden uh, on this particular issue. Just let Rom get his little ambassadorship and let him go off to Japan. And we're probably better off without him in the city of Chicago. Where do you, Adolfo Mondragon, stand on this issue? Go.
3: Fuck, Rom. I mean, <laughs> I hate. I hate how this system perpetuates and recycles fucking losers like Rom, enrich them, because this is a man who got rich not because he had a enormous set of skills that like, you know, he was industrious and he fucking, you know, went out and made this money. No, he worked in the White House, had all this insider information, which is what I consider insider information, then went out and sold his fucking ass, his insider information to the world and said, hire me, pay me a shitload of money and all schmooze with the people I make contacts with while I had the privilege of serving in the fucking White House. Fuck him, because meanwhile the ordinary people have to fucking bust their ass to make a, a living wage, and his ass, because he was privileged enough to fucking work in the White House, um, gets to take this information and these contacts, and then fucking whore himself out and make tons of money. It's like presidents too, man. Even Obama with the the book deals and all that other shit. I mean, dude, you're not a millionaire. You don't need to live life like a fucking gazillionaire. You're just a regular old schmo, just like the dude I knew who taught me fucking con law. You're a lawyer. Hillary Clinton, too. Go work at a law firm. You'll make a lot of fucking money. You won't make gazillions of dollars, but you'll make 300 grand, 400 grand a year. That's a lot of money. You can live a really good life that way. You don't need to be a millionaire you know? And the same shit with these, you know, with Ron, it's worse because this dude didn't even have a skill, like a profession. He just enriched himself. And he's like a millionaire, man. This dude has millions of dollars.
2: Yeah. Why? Just, I- um, I would say instead of saying millionaire, I'd say multimillionaire,
3: millionaire exactly.
2: because that's what Obama because that's was, where they're he was
3: able to get on the phone and call like important Republicans and fucking lobbyists and shit like that because of the people he met at the White House. Fuck that. That information should be considered the same way. I've always believed that inside information when you get like a stock uh, tip before, like you're able to actually act on it. I mean, it's the same thing. There should be a fucking paper that you sign when you work at the White House and say any connections or whatever like that, you're you're fucking prohibited from using in any fashion for, like, 15 years. And then after that, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, well, I thought he was going to tuck and dodge. <laughs> 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 tuck and dodge at all. Uh, yeah. And the thing I is, know like at the end go. of the day, like yeah. – so, okay, so you're like, but but Joe Biden will be hounded by him if he doesn't cast him away in exile somewhere, so that he's not a bother. Who the fuck is Rom gonna bother? I mean, the dude is done. I, you know, he he is 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 talented at fucking giving himself press and promote. Like the way I understand this whole Japan thing uh, originated was he started a rumor saying that he was up for the fucking ambassadorship like two years ago. So he's the one who put the rumor out to get himself this fucking ambassadorship probably like as an option for him. If other shit didn't pan out or whatever. And I'm like, fuck this (laughs) fucking, you know, I mean, like uh, total scumbag. I mean, Uh like, is it enough that he already made millions and he lives and he lives this Sure, that's life. I, I'm, I'm recalling Maya Dukmasova did a, a brilliant um, piece in the reader back about um, some uh, podcast, I think it was, that it was about ROM or something like that. She listened to all. The yeah, no, I'll film. tell
2: you what it was, because I had her on this show and interviewed her, but it was hilarious. Maya Dukmasova, who should have gotten a pay raise for this, uh, dedicated her life for about a month or so, or her work life anyway, yeah. to, to listening to Rom's podcast. When when Rom oh. was mayor of the City of Chicago, we yeah, we'd have a sit down conversation with various Chicagoans, so, yeah. and Maya listened to them all, and then wrote a long article. Go ahead, that's finish your thought. If you, you from
3: that man, his musings on shit he's living in a fucking different world, clearly, and part of it is because he is a gazillionaire and he doesn't have to live maybe when he was growing up and de- maybe definitely his parents you know knew what it was like to work hard and all that other stuff but this motherfucker is living in some other world where there was an episode in this podcast where like he was musing about having this kid at dinner with the CEO of some fucking fortune 500 company and like telling his kid some, some utter bullshit about life and I'm like and how lucky his son was to have these dinners with him with fortune 500 and politicians and all that. I'm like, you are living in some fucking other world, dude. That's why your sense of the world is fucking warped. Yeah. And for us to give him uh, another elite um, and uh, privileged fucking position in government is utter bullshit. This guy should just go live off his millions and shut the fuck up.
2: All right. Uh, the- I got to ask you this. I hadn't even planned to ask you this, but uh, my obsession, which I'm really restraining myself from talking about all the time. uh, I tend to dwell on the past because the president is so president is so horrible on so many fronts. Adolfo, but I watched episode one on Tuesday of the Ryan Murphy ten-part uh, series on uh, Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, I don't know if you saw that. By the
3: oh, I missed it. Right, it's it's uh, every Tuesday, right?
2: Yeah, every Tuesday. Well, you could try it. You could watch it tonight. Uh, it'd be the they're dropping a new episode. I found it fascinating. Uh, I urge everybody to watch it. It just shows uh, what went down uh, in that whole episode and how uh, that led ultimately to uh, Clinton's impeachment. Uh, And ultimately, in my humble opinion, it's led to sort of the disfigurement of the uh, Democratic Party because Bill Clinton is such a freaking hypocrite and so clearly and obviously uh, a con man that it makes it that much harder for Democrats to go out. Uh, and win over voters. I believe that. I honestly believe that. I saw that. That's why Donny Trump won in 2016, uh, and so you can see it all at play uh, in this documentary. But you also can see the uh, how do I the nefarious behavior of the Republicans who are just trying to do everything they can to take advantage of this this man's low life character Uh, right? but they make it
3: easy that's my thing about Democrats Gary Hart for example dude you know brilliant dude right I mean I was young but he was like a, a great hope and shit and then the motherfuckers over here having an affair I mean they make it easy For Republicans who do a better job of covering up their pedophilia and all this other shit that they pretend to be against, but are actually, you know, totally engaged in. It's just like the Democrats make it easy for these fuckers to just pick away at their vices and their, you know, and all their... To bad behavior. I never liked that hillbilly dude. I didn't vote for him the first time. I voted for him for him the second time but only because by then he you know, he had served one term and I was like, "Well, wait, were you even old like, enough to vote in 92?" That was my that was my first election. I was my first so year.
2: We, college. When you say you didn't vote for him, you telling me you, you voted for I, George Herbert? I Walker, voted for
3: Bush. The sta- I voted for the status quo. I voted for uh George Herbert Walker Bush. Um, who you know like every president is controversial but there was some decency in the man if you look back now there was also some other fucked up stuff that he did with Lee Atwater and you know other shit too but um, none of these fuckers are perfect even Obama I mean there's a lot of stuff that I could criticize about Obama too and I'm you know and I think the guy's a good guy and he's decent but he's also fucked up in a lot of ways but my point is that I never liked that hillbilly Bill Clinton And I didn't vote for his ass because I knew something was up with him. And, uh, you know, years later, you know, it it all comes to fruition and we know all the truth about, you know, how much this guy was a con artist. I remember guys in college telling me about Bill Clinton, about how this con artist in him, about how he he excelled at getting other people to do his homework at, at Yale Law School. I mean, yeah, the guy was brilliant, but if if you go around having people like Hillary and everybody else in your class do your homework,
2: <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? You oh know, my God, Hillary's been carrying that guy for years. Let's yeah. let's not go down the Hillary road. I will say this. Uh, there, um, we I flash back to 1992. I'll probably be recollecting this a lot, because I will be talking about this series, ladies and gentlemen. Just bear with me. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Uh, I feel it explains what went down in the 90s. It really explains so much about the dynamics of where we are politically speaking right now. Uh the way the Republicans play the game, the way the Democrats play the game, the game of politics that is, uh, and why the Republicans ultimately would be more successful than the Democrats. And we think it's all about issues and we think that no. like uh it's not. It's just raw politics and the Republicans no, are just out in the ball. open Republicans hardball play hardball and Democrats are pussies, you know? Well I no mean, the Democrats play hardball on uh, themselves. Rob Emanuel was tough. Oh, on, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah unions the unions in Chicago, the teachers the union. Republicans, they're wusses, man. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. Take the 2000 elect, the election recount in Florida. The Democrats came in and they were all like civil and, and, and like, oh, gentlemen, we are going <laughs> to do this and blah, blah, blah. Fucking Jim Baker went in there and he was like, "Fuck this
2: shit. We're gonna fucking win this motherfucker." Yeah, and and then they got their judges, just like Texas, they got their judges lined up in the yeah. Supreme Court to wonder when their decision. I'm exactly. with you, no, and but and and Jesse Jackson wanted to go to Florida. My God, you know now you got me talking about 2000. Jesse Jackson <laughs> wanted to go to Florida, and Albert Gore, Al Gore's campaign said, "Don't go." They were embarrassed by Jesse Jackson. Meanwhile, you had all these Republicans in the streets rattling the cages. And you're right. Democrats back off from fights with Republicans, but they're really tough with other with right. They're really tough on
3: AOC and anybody who dares to fucking go against their own hypocrisies within the party. And, you know, they're really good at, at fucking battering their own fucking team. Man, talk about throwing people and their own team under the bus. They love to do that shit, but you know, God forbid they go up against uh, a Republican. Oh, oh no,
2: oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends. That's what I'm saying. I get along with Republicans. Why are yeah. you bragging about that, by the way? You know, what what member of the Republican Party right now do you want to say is my friend? I'm just trying to oh think. My I, God. I guess. Uh, oh boy, Kinsinger is the one guy who's acted on it, but, but even he's a right winger. So I don't. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, I'm gonna make you watch this show, Adolfo, because
3: oh no, uh, I've, been meaning, I've been meaning to watch it. You know because it looks it looks fabulous, and I like the fact that um, Monica Lewinsky, who, by the way, I mean talk about Democrat uh, hypocrisy and fucking white feminists too. They threw her under the bus. Yes, they did. It's a travesty what happened to her. I'm. Glad that she was positioned socially enough where she could marry someone and then lead a life. And although she, you know, her life has never been the same after that.
2: I mean, no, oh, she's not married. She didn't marry anybody. Didn't she, she marry? And no. Have kids? No. 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 I, I don't know. Who I thought you're thinking I read about. a thing a couple years ago where she had, she got married and no. well,
3: maybe I got it wrong. But yeah. they fucking destroyed her. And you know, yeah. here is I was working at ACLU at the time. And I love the people that I worked at ACLU with, and they might look at these things differently, but I remember when they were making accusations, Republicans were making accusations about Bill Clinton, about how, you know, um, he had a history of being a predator on women and stuff. And I remember one attorney, I won't say who or whatever at the time, you know, was rationalizing and saying like, oh, well, you know, I could have come out of... So and so's office, looking flustered, and they could have just said that so and so was being a predator on me, and I'm like, "No, you're fucking going, you're defending this dude and trying to rationalize this behavior and and, and minimizing these accusations of these women, and you're like the liberals here. What yeah. the fuck, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, uh, and uh, um,
3: <laughs> but they threw, they threw Monica Lewinsky under the bus, man. They destroyed yeah, yeah. her, and for what? I mean, this dude is a douchebag. Bill Clinton yes. is a fucking douchebag. All
2: right. Uh, I could see you already you already feeling strong. I, I urge you to watch it. Uh, and uh, some of my friends have said, but Ben, Ryan Murphy's sensationalized. He goes for the really sleazy elements. And I'm like, what is not sleazy about? Th- How could you possibly do a, uh, any kind of review of the life of Bill Clinton and don't not don't immediately lose. engage sleaze? Uh, and so if if you don't, If you believe the world is pristine uh, and you believe the propaganda that the Bill Clinton feeds you, then maybe you shouldn't watch this movie because it's going to open your freaking eyes about how you were bamboozled Democrats. by This con man uh, who is probably a slicker con man than even Donald Trump, uh, who is... Uh, I was uh, recently watching uh, some some show that was mentioned about, remember that
3: incident that uh, uh, Ariana Grande had with the reverend at some uh, memorial, like Grofter. Yes. Well, behind the, on the dais, it was Jesse Jackson and Bill Clinton were on the dais that day, too, with this reverend guy. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, when Ariana Grande was up there, Jesse and Bill Clinton were fucking talking some shit about her, man. You could tell they were like, look at her. Oh, yeah. She's all good and everything. And I'm like, these old ass motherfuckers are on a dais in public. Yeah. And they're fucking leering on this young, hot, you know, artist. And it's clear that they're talking about her, man. They're just like, look at her, look at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at her, look at that. Yeah. And then this other guy goes up there and and then gropes her a couple minutes later. It's just like, Dude, these guys are scum, man. They're just
2: horrible. Yeah, and I hate to say it, but I voted for Bill Clinton twice. Having said that, all right, uh, uh, my own culpability at all, Adolfo. uh, You you took one for the team coming on, even though you have a cold. So I want you to go get some rest, drink some tea with honey. I'm gonna bring you on a lot sooner than I did the last time, if for no other reason than I clearly uh, you're a guy who's ready to discuss the ongoing Clinton. Oh, we gotta uh, talk about uh, court zooms. Oh. next time so adolfo mondragon on zoom court ladies and gentlemen could be its own separate podcast uh we didn't even get to that so uh all right adolfo uh get well and uh go white Sox. i'll talk to you soon all right all right take care hey dr d shout out bro hey thanks man all right all right right, guys I want to thank uh, Adolfo Mondragon.
1: By the way, uh, how many uh, how many f bombs do you think he dropped? Frank <laughs> oh, Frank kept saying. track. Frank Frank actually has the number. Take a guess as to how many f bombs wow. he laid out uh, there. I would okay. Um, Frank, calcul- okay, <laughs> seems like more than the number Frank has, but I mean, I, I trust Frank. I would say twenty. Twenty is that your final answer, Ben? Feel good about twenty? Yeah, twenty. Thirty-seven.
2: <laughs> how about that when i asked him about rom i loved his response can we keep that as a clip you know did you, did you do you remember his the first words out of his mouth when i asked him about rom uh what can you remind us uh they were
1: and i quote fuck rom oh wow like okay <laughs> anyway you will not hear uh, this on lumpen radio guys i'm, I'm not gonna... i don't get paid that well <laughs> oh lord that will make it Uh, He was in rare
2: form. I think it was the cold. The cold uh, just loosened his inhibitions. Uh, Anyway, I want to thank Adolfo Mondragon and Ann Amerson did a great job in the opening uh, talking about um, what it's like to have an alderman. I just say all kinds of denigrating things about you So thank you very much, Ann, for having the guts to come on I really appreciate it And I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend The pride and joy of all in Illinois Without whom this show would be possible This guy who has mastered, ladies and gentlemen I don't think you appreciate how he's mastered The intricacies of podcasting (laughs) Somehow or other We get on the air I don't know how he does it I think he's got like wires to his neighbors (laughs) cable old cable it's weird it,
1: it's weird over here it,
2: weird. ladies and gentlemen this is definitely a bootleg operation but god bless them uh the pride and joy of alton illinois without whom this uh show would be possible and as ann emerson adolfo Mondragon, and rama Emanuel would weigh in with this one back home in alton they call him white lightning give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody
1: to be a good neighbor I am I am I am